From Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Madison Knudsen. This is Film Club, a podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. So these are spoiler-filled conversations, folks. If you haven't seen the movie they're talking about, be prepared to learn far more about them than the trailers will tell you. Glass Onion is a whodunit murder mystery starring Daniel Craig as world-famous detective Benoit Blanc. It's a sequel, sort of, to the 2019 whodunit murder mystery Knives Out, where Blanc is tasked with looking into the death of a famous author. In Glass Onion, Benoit Blanc ends up on a private island in Greece owned by a billionaire tech mogul. When a weekend of catching up with old friends turns diabolical, Benoit must solve yet another murder. Much like Knives Out, Daniel Craig is joined by an all-star cast including Janelle Monet, Edward Norton, Katherine Hahn, Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom Jr., and Dave Bautista. Our Atme producers got together on Zoom to discuss the twists and turns of Glass Onion, its unique release strategy from Netflix, and who they hope to see in future Benoit Blanc mysteries. Here is their discussion, led by Rowie McCohen. My name's Rowie. I use she, they pronouns. I am a junior in high school and I am very excited for the meeting today. Um, hi, my name's Madison. I'm a senior at UAA and I'm really excited to talk about this movie today. Hi, my name is Carl. Um, I'm a freshman at UAA and I'm also really excited to talk about this movie. Good. I'm so glad. So first question, immediately, out of the gate, what did you guys think about Glass Onion? And if you would like, talk about maybe what worked for you about the movie and what didn't, if anything. Um, I've seen both of the Knives Out movies now. And to be honest, I didn't like this one as much as the first. But I did really like the casting on this one. And I liked how much it made sense within our current era, I guess. So like a lot of these people that I saw, a lot of the characters, I was like, oh, that guy's like this one. Oh, she's just like this real person in life that we've seen on social media throughout quarantine in the past few years. So I thought that was really interesting and a fun way to like tie it in. I also saw both the movies, saw Knives Out maybe two years ago. Um, didn't really know what to expect from it, but I thought it was just super like funny and creative. And I, that's, I could say the same thing about Glass Onion too. I just thought it was like pretty hilarious throughout the whole thing. So that's one thing I, I appreciate about it. Yeah, totally. I, Knives Out is one of like my favorite movies, like potentially of all time. Um, which is kind of like a big thing to say because this is a Glass Onion roundtable, but we'll get to that later. Um, I really liked Glass Onion. I really did. Um, and I will agree with Madison that a lot of it is um, very, very current and very, very um, just accurate to the things that people experienced in May of 2020, which is when it's set. Um, which I think is really fun. I think, Madison, you might have been talking about like some people that we saw on social media and some people that we see on social media. And the one thing that I really just love about this movie is that um, 
when Birdie rolls up with her mask, quote unquote mask, and it looks exactly like Lana Del Rey's mask from like the early, early pandemic. I thought that was so funny, um, which definitely, Carl, I agree that both of these movies, Knives Out was like, it was funny, but it wasn't necessarily funny in the way that like it could have been considered a comedy, but Glass Onion was funny in the way that it could have been considered like a uh, a drama comedy, which I think is um, really exciting for the Knives Out universe. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens in the future with um, Ryan Johnson and how he continued. Go ahead, Madison. Really, I just wanted to piggyback off of that real quick. The Lana Del Rey mask moment was one of my favorite parts of the movie. And the people that I was with, we were watching it on Netflix and I was like, you have to pause it. Do you guys know what's happening? And they were like, her mask has hold. I'm like, no, that's the Lana Del Rey mask. You missed it. Like you have to, you were, you were there. You have to pay attention. <laughs> like, I thought it was so funny. It's definitely one of my favorite parts of the movie is just so like, it's not self-referential. The movie isn't, but it's very like inside joke, like, haha, nudge, nudge. Do you guys remember that? Which I just love about it. Are either of you familiar with the director, Ryan Johnson? Um, I've become more familiar now. But before Knives Out and stuff, I've just heard like all the bad stuff about Star Wars and all that. I've just pulled it up and I don't think I've seen really any of his other movies. Yeah, he um, he has some really great, like more less known movies. And then he did Star Wars and then now with Knives Out and Glass Onion, they he's getting a little bit more known. So... Obviously, you guys aren't as familiar with the director. Um, did your familiarity with him influence how you went to this movie slash what you expected? Like I kind of said before, I didn't really know anything about him. So I don't think the director, the name of the director influenced um, what I was hoping to see. But I was pretty happy with it. So I want to see more of his stuff now. I agree with Carl. I wasn't necessarily influenced by who the director was or what I was like expecting based on that, but I was really excited to see that Daniel Craig was being brought back and as well, like I was super excited to see that Katherine Hahn was in this one. So I feel like I'm more influenced by the actors than the directors, but that's just my experience within that. For sure. So, okay. You both mentioned that you guys have seen knives out i believe is that correct yes cool so um what did you think about how knives out and glass onion were related to each other because they only have one character in common and they don't really mention each other that much but how did you feel about like the kind of sort of sequel kind of sort of not vibe like what were your guys' thoughts on that I feel like we're kind of getting a lot of this type of movie right now, um, like Death on the Nile was a sequel sort of to Murder on the Orient Express, and they shared, I, th I think, the same detective, and I'm not 100%, but I really do think it was the same person. I think um, it is. I don't, I don't remember who it is, but I do, I, yeah, I think it's the same person. Perel? What do you think? That, what was his name? Yeah, Perel, I think, or something like that. It's French. Yeah. Poirot. Poirot. 
Yes. Um, but yes, I do feel like we're getting a lot of the same, this guy's a detective and we're going to see him again, which is great because we've been having that for a while. Um, it's really interesting that we have two competing franchises right now, kind of, but um, I mean, Bullet Train was even a little bit like this. There's so much that's kind of like this content right now, but it's, it's definitely entertaining. Follow-up question, would you say that it's like an interesting idea or would you say that it's kind of overused? I think that they're doing a lot to keep it fresh. And I think that, you know, the way that they're casting now and having more stories and backstories and interesting characters um, makes it more tolerable. But you know, I definitely would watch a franchise like this over one that happened 30 years ago. I think that we have a lot more women characters and a lot more diversity in films that makes this more interesting to watch. Um, but I do think that the concept overall is a little bit overused. A bunch of rich people in one space. Um, it, I mean, White Lotus, too. It's kind of exactly like this. It's a murder mystery. Um, and it's interesting. But yeah, I, I will agree with you or, or answer that question. Yes, I do think it's overused. What about you, Carl? I pretty much agreed with everything Madison said. And kind of like just the thing about bringing new cast members for each like sequel. That's just a good way to keep everything fresh. Because I think for these kinds of mysteries, whodunit movies, kind of making direct sequels for old characters wouldn't really be the best idea. Can't really say why, but yeah. It would be super weird if the same five people kept ending up at a place where someone died. Like the detective being there makes sense, but if it were the same five friends or whatever, people would get suspicious. Yeah, no, I totally get you mean. Um, Follow-up question for both of you. Do you think people should watch Knives Out before watching Glass Onion? Or do you think they both stand alone completely? Or third option, do you think that they should still watch Knives Out before Glass Onion, but they can both stand alone as good movies? I think they stand alone. It doesn't really matter what order you watch them in. Um, there's a little bit more development in the Glass Onion movie for Daniel Craig's character. Um, you kind of see a little bit more of his like home life and his partner. But outside of that, I think that they could be watched in any order. I agree. The only reason I think it might be good to see Knives Out first is because it's like a good intro to like the character of Benoit Blanc. But besides that, it doesn't really matter. I, yeah, I agree with that. I will say, personally, I think everyone should watch Knives Out because I think it's a fantastic movie, but um I agree that I don't think that it's like a prerequisite to watch Glass Onion because they can both definitely stand on their own, um, which is an added benefit of like the sequel, but not really kind of vibe is that you don't have to watch the first one in order to understand the second one, which I think is really nice. So segue, I'm really good at that. What were your guys' thoughts on the ensemble cast? What were your guys' ideas on the casting? Some of the cast I didn't really know. Um, like Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, 
And then I was kind of familiar familiar with Catherine Hahn. But I think this was, this was just in a movie where they were all they were all able to shine really well. And it kind of makes me want to watch more of their movies too. I was really excited to see Stephen Sondheim's cameo in this. Um, I think Angela Lansbury as well. That scene with Natasha Leone where they're like on the Zoom. That was so fun for me. Um, I made them pause the television so I could go up and figure out who everyone was. Um, I thought that Jackie Hoffman's um, character in this as the guy that dies with the drink, um, the really tall guy, I can't remember anyone's character name, but he was like the influencer. Oh, Dave Bautista? Yes. So Jackie Hoffman playing his mom was so great. <laughs> He was great. I just couldn't remember his name. I thought you meant Jackie Hoffman played the guy that died. And I was like, that's not his name. You're like, that's actually not true. That's actually false information. But Wrong. Yeah. I loved Janelle Monet. I always love Janelle Monet in a movie um, or anything that she does. I love the cast. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I think they were all um, fantastic. I will say, I feel like Daniel Craig leaned a little bit more into Benoit and like actually becoming this character, which I feel like Daniel Craig kind of maybe played a little bit more of himself in Knives Out, um, which is a little bit weird to say because obviously Benoit Blanc has a Southern accent, but um when you watch interviews, Benoit Blanc and Daniel Craig were initially pretty similar people. And then in this one, I feel like he really branched out um, and like fully embodied the character of Benoit Blanc, which I really liked. Um, totally agree with you, Madison. I loved the casting decisions on all of the characters. Madeline Klein was someone that I was not expecting to be as good as she was. Um, I think she was fantastic, which I, like, I didn't see Outer Banks. That wasn't really my thing, but I was honestly not expecting her to be just as good as she was. Um, and then obviously, um, oh my God, what is her name? Birdie J's character. Birdie J. Kate Hudson. Thank you. I can never remember her name. She was fantastic, um, but all of them were amazing. Um, so. That was really like a performance that stood out to me was Madeline Klein. I was not expecting to be as good as she was. And then Kate Hudson was just fantastic because everything she does is fantastic. Um, Madison, you mentioned that you really liked um, Janelle Monáe's performance. And this is for both of you. Was there a particular performance that really stood out to you as being like potentially the best or just a performance that you guys really liked? They were all pretty great. But I think Edward Norton, uh, as a Miles, he he played a pretty pretty good bad guy, but definitely wasn't my favorite character. This has to be Benoit. I'm definitely gonna have to stick with Janelle Monet. Their performance was incredible. I also really liked Catherine Hahn. I thought she did a really nice job of playing that like corrupt politician. It was it was. Everyone did such a good job, but Janelle Monet and Catherine Hahn are definitely my top two. For sure. I really like, um, I honestly kind of forgot to even mention Edward Norton because there are so many people in this movie. 
Um, but yeah, he was surprisingly good. I don't want to say surprisingly because Edward Norton is obviously a fantastic actor, but he played the character of Miles really, really well. I'll agree with Carl on that. Um, another segue, which I'm fantastic at. What were your guys' thoughts on the plot twist of Andy being, oh, spoilers, obviously. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on the plot twist of Andy being dead the whole time and Helen pretending to be her, which is one of two plot twists, I guess. I loved it, kept it interesting. I don't remember the last time I've seen something like that. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure, you know, not to, I watch a lot of movies. I'm sure I've seen something like that, but it, it surprised me and I thought it was really interesting and I was very happy to see it. Obviously not happy that her sister died. Let me <laughs> backpedal a little bit, but I thought that like, wow, like what a creative way to do that. I don't think anyone was like, Madison supports people killing each other. Like, I don't think that's what was happening, but thank you for clarifying. <laughs> thank you for accepting my clarification and confirming. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with all that. And it was just a good way to keep the movie like really engaging too. I agree. I think it was a really great um, option. Decision is the word I was looking for. I thought it was a really great decision on Ryan's part to have that be, and it was also one of two plot twists, which um, is kind of similar to what happened in Knives Out, actually, where there's like an initial plot twist, like, oh my god, what? And then the actual plot twist of the whole, um, I guess the reveal of the whole movie. I will say it reminded me a little bit of like the princess switch with Vanessa Hudgens um just a little bit like two twins pretending to be each other although Andy isn't really pretending to be Helen so <sighs> you take you get some you lose some but I thought it was a really I thought it was a really fun choice um and it definitely like Carl said kept the movie a little bit more engaging we are all struggling with this dead sibling plot we're both tripping we're everyone's we're tripping <laughs> we're we don't know how to say this. We're like, I loved it when your sister, sorry, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> it was really interesting when your sibling, wait, <laughs> like, we don't, what are you supposed to say? It was good for the movie. <laughs> We're just riding that struggle bus. It's Friday, okay? Don't get on our case. Um, <laughs> what about the reveal of, Miles being Andy's killer and Duke's killer. What were your guys' thoughts on that? Did you guys predict it? Did you guys know immediately that Edward Norton's character was going to be the killer? What were your thoughts? I thought he was just poorly written at the beginning when I first watched it. Every little thing that he said that was weird or wrong or incorrect, I was just like, wow, they could not have used a dictionary to write this. But then... <laughs> With the final reveal, I was like, oh, I saw the pattern. <laughs> I didn't see the problem. You were like, that was intentional? I really, I felt bad for the writers. <laughs> that is so unfortunate. I will say I noticed a little bit of it, of like the 
fully abbreviate this moment. That's something that my friends and I have been quoting recently because I think it's hilarious, but I noticed that and I was like, that's not the right word to use, but I didn't even think that it would be like a plot point. Like you said, I thought it was just like using the wrong word. I was like, they had a, a tight budget. They couldn't stop and rewrite this. <laughs> unfortunate. So unfortunate. What about you, Carl? What were, what were your thoughts on the, on Miles being the killer? Well, just a quick thing about the words he made up. I saw it in the theaters and it was just so funny. And then the whole theater laughed at like every made up word he said. So, but yeah. And then kind of like, like how Madison said, Madison said, just had weird behavior in like the early parts of the movie. And just like him being unveiled as Matt, um, Andy's killer, it just made it all make sense. So. For sure. And Ryan Johnson typically, I mean, that's kind of a theme in, I, I say a theme, there's only been two movies in this universe, but that's a theme so far of like, maybe people acting a little bit weird, maybe people acting a little bit off, and then the reveal happens, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense, which I guess is like a whodunit theme in general, um, but I think there's a lot more hints of it that you wouldn't necessarily notice the first time around um, in Glass Onion more so than Knives Out, which I really liked, um, and I definitely try to recommend this movie to people and say like watch it the first time take a week and then watch it the second time because it's a movie that you can re-watch and you'll notice like a whole bunch of new details every time which I really really loved about the movie how did you guys feel about the Mona Lisa being destroyed what were your guys' thoughts on that so I'm not sure when it happened but there was an art piece that was I don't want to say attacked. It's a an art piece, but they threw something at it recently. Yeah, right? the the Van Gogh got um, attacked by attacked. All right, <laughs> <laughs> some quote climate activists, which I say that with a lot of um, disbelief in my voice because, but um, climate activists threw tomato soup at a Van Gogh recently yes that is correct was it a reference to that or was that incident so later I believe Ryan Johnson wrote Glass Onion very early on in the pandemic um and they just happened to coincide he should write for the Simpsons <laughs> <laughs> this future predicting is <laughs> obviously it's a very different incident um, I think it was great for the plot. I wouldn't want to see it happen in real life. Um, I thought that it was really interesting because Miles was like so proud of that. I felt like that was a great thing for him to lose because I didn't like him. <laughs> but I don't necessarily think that the art should have been destroyed. I don't know, right? The sister shouldn't have been killed either. I am a little bit more passionate about this for some reason. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. No, exactly. Um, I totally agree. 
the burning of the Mona Lisa was definitely very conflicting. Yeah. I thought, you know, um, Helen, I love her character. I love Janelle Monet, just like Madison. I thought she slayed. I will say that was maybe one of her not as good decisions that she made in the movie because the Mona Lisa is obviously this very famous and old and well taken care of piece of art that is you know just iconic um but I really liked how it brought back the thing that Miles had been saying the whole movie which was that like I want to be mentioned in the same sentence as the Mona Lisa you know like I really liked how they brought that back with the fact that his you know um pioneering in energy and clean energy I really liked how they brought that back and it made it so that he essentially destroyed the Mona Lisa so he would always be remembered in the same sentence as the Mona Lisa which I just really liked that you know how they brought that back um but yeah I agree with both of you it's a little bit more conflicting I agree with you that that maybe wasn't Helen's best moment but to be fair, he killed her sister. <laughs> so I feel like it's not even a fair trade. No, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, and it's but like, okay, losing a sibling, awful, terrible. Knowing the person who killed your sibling, awful, terrible. Knowing the person who killed your twin sister, awful, terrible, no good, very bad. Do anything to get back at them legally i'm not going to support crimes on the podcast i'm not going to do that but i totally understand where she's coming from is the point that i'm trying to make um so i totally i get it i get why she did it there is also some regretful thoughts happening because it is the mona lisa but like madison said you win some you lose some now i sound like pro arsony it's not what it please no abby starts promoting crimes um okay we have been talking all zoom all of this recording about these celebrity appearances um in total there were a lot of celebrity appearances i think i have the entire list and i'm just gonna try to name all of them there was ethan hawk natasha leone Yo-Yo Ma, Stephen Sondheim, Hugh Grant, Angela Lansbury, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, what were your guys' favorites or just one favorite celebrity appearances? And if you would like to say, why was it your favorite? And I will completely say the list over again if you need me to, but if you have one in your head, you know, go ahead. Um, well, I wasn't too familiar with Natasha Leone before all this but I think because she's in like another um Ryan Johnson tv show and that she had a cameo in this movie I thought that was pretty cool and also the yo-yo ma appearance um because he also he kind of played an important part in the story just with like solving the box and stuff unfortunately I have three but I'm going to do them very quickly <laughs> I've been sitting here panicking, trying to decide. I cannot. I'm starting with Stephen Sondheim. What an icon, what a legend. 
um, he died recently, about a year ago. So it was really exciting to see him in a movie. Um, my next one's Natasha Lyonne because, of course, um, her movie, But I'm a Cheerleader, is one of my top favorite films. Her and Orange is the New Black, incredible. I loved that this was the role that she had because I follow her Instagram and it just made sense. Like everything she said in here, I was like, it's not a character, that's Natasha Lyonne. Like she's playing among us right now. We're just witnessing it. And then um, Hugh Grant was so cool. It was so fun to see um, his husband. That was, I was so excited. And I loved all the memes after that people were posting where they were like, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, yeah, so Stephen Sondheim and Angela Lansbury um, died pretty shortly after they starred in these in this movie. Um, it was Angela La Lansbury's last role, and I believe Stephen Sondheim. So it was really nice for me too to watch them um, be in the movie, but. My favorite personally was Ethan Hawke because I thought his character was hilarious. I just know that Ethan Hawke had the best time shooting and I just love Ethan Hawke and I love Maya Hawke. So um, I am legally required to say Ethan Hawke, but I really love both of them. So, and I loved all of the celebrity appearances. I will say there have been some people who have been complaining that there were too many celebrity appearances um if you guys have any thoughts on that like what what's the complaint like people were just mad that they were watching a movie and there was Natasha Leone. I don't understand I think it was more like um it felt a little bit like Ryan Johnson was like "Ooh, I can get whoever I want to be in this movie I'll just put everyone that is possibly going to be available into it which I kind of understand but like it's just like a large amount of celebrity appearances um and cameos and things like that so people are maybe complaining a little bit about that but I think it made sense especially with like Birdie's party and Yo-Yo Ma being there like it all of these people were portrayed as being really powerful really high up so of course they had connections so I don't think it would be so out of touch or unbelievable to think that this world famous detective knows Stephen Sondheim. Like, why not? I don't know. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it, but anybody can feel however they want to about that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I really liked Stephen Sondheim's cameo also because in Knives Out, uh, Benoit Blanc sings a Stephen Sondheim musical while he's waiting for, um, while he's in the car, I don't remember exactly when, but he sings a Stephen Sondheim musical as he's waiting for something, which I just really loved that reference. Uh, Carl, did you have any other thoughts on that or no? Um, it didn't bother me at all. I can understand why it might bother some people, but I think it's as long as you keep their appearances kind of brief, it's okay. For sure, yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so Netflix tried out, I'm so good at, um, segues. Netflix tried out a new release strategy for the movie. A month before it was released on their platform, it played in theaters for only one week. Um, during that week, it actually made more money, excuse me, more money per theater, but not overall than Black Panther. Um, 
Did you guys see it when it was in theaters? And what do you think about this kind of release model of streaming services putting movies out in theaters before putting them uh, online? I saw it in theaters. I'm happy I saw it in theaters first. And I think um, it just gives like a better experience of the movie. And I think it's better for the creators too. Because maybe, you know, maybe Ryan Johnson like made it for a movie theater or something. I don't know if he did or not, but like it can help creators in the future too. Because people like Spike Lee, he made the movie The Five Bloods. He made that for the theaters and he wanted to be in theaters, but nobody would like help him do that. So he had to go with Netflix. People had to stream it. So I think that's one good thing about um, early theater releases. I think that the early theater release kind of promotes accessibility in the sense that if you don't have Netflix um, and you can go to the theater, you can go see it that way. Or if you can't go to the theater, but you have Netflix, you can see it that way. Um, I used to have a Regal Unlimited and I really enjoyed going to see movies. But when this was released in theater, I didn't have like the time to go out and see something, but I got to see it as soon as it was on Netflix. Um, so I think it works both ways and can be really beneficial to people and make the movie more accessible to everyone. Yeah, for sure. I totally, um, I agree with both of you. I went and saw it in theaters, um, like as soon as it released. And then I also saw it on Netflix at home. I rewatched it. And with both of those experiences, I will say that it, I, I think it was fine. Um, I'm not like super, I'm not the biggest Netflix fan. Um, I'm not like super in support of all of the streaming services kind of splitting all of the media ever. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how Netflix potentially does theatrical to streaming releases in the future. And if Ryan Johnson's Knives Out movies will continue to be like this where it's theatrical to streaming. So um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting and very unique. So Ryan Johnson has signed a deal with Netflix for another two movies in the Knives Out universe um, and coming kind of full circle. What is your dream cast for the next movie with Benoit Blanc? If you have absolutely no ideas, I can share mine because I was thinking about this. Um, I definitely want Hugh Grant again. I think Dame Judi Dench would be a fun addition. Javier Bardem, Saoirse Ronan, Lawrence Pugh, Jeff Goldblum, Adrian Brody. And since we're having a little bit of a Brendan Fraser moment right now, I think he would be really interesting to see alongside uh, Daniel Craig in the Knives Out universe. But those are just some ideas I kind of pulled from Wes Anderson movies and then also my personal favorite actors and actresses. Um, but if you guys have any other ideas, I would love to hear them. I like your list a lot. Javier Bardem, Lawrence Pugh. And then um, I could only think of one myself. I think Steven Yoon. I think he'd be... He's because he's a good comedian, so I think he'd be good in like a Knives Out movie. But it can still be like pretty serious, like we saw in The Walking Dead. For sure. 
Did you see, um, this is kind of a side note because Madison is researching. She's hard at work. Um, did you see Nope? Yes, I did see Nope. I loved it so much. I love Steven Yeun's performance. And in addition, I think now that I'm thinking about it, Kiki Palmer would be a really great addition to the Knives Out universe. Yes. I totally agree with your pick. I love Steven Yeun. Okay, I'm ready. I'm sorry. I had to had to make sure I was saying the correct names. All right, we're starting off with Jennifer Coolidge. I would love to see her in one of these films. I liked your Hugh Grant. I agree. I would like to see more of this. Angela Bassett for sure, Clea Duvall. And then I think, you know, Patti Lapone. I know she gave up her equity card, but I know she has it back. <laughs> so I would love to see Patti Lapone in this. And then maybe Billy Lord. I loved her performances in American Horror Story. And I think that she would be amazing in this. I think it's time to bring back Kathy Bates. And then... I don't know, maybe Sandra Bernhard. I think that would be fun. Mine's like eight women and maybe one or two men. <laughs> yeah, I, those are some really great picks. I'm really, um, you guys are all, you guys are, this is a really great list. We'll send this to Ryan Johnson um, and he can try to get those picks to those people. I will say, um, when you brought up Billy Lord, I was thinking maybe um, Sarah Paulson would be fun because she kind of like she usually plays more serious roles, but I know that her as a person, she's a little bit more comedic. Um, so I think it would be really interesting to see her kind of explore that more comedic role. Um, but yeah, those are all really great ideas. Um, if they would bring in Sarah Paulson and Holland Taylor, I would lose my mind. That would be such a good movie. I don't need anybody else in it. <laughs> the way that Daniel Craig, Hugh Grant, Holland Taylor, and Sarah Paulson, if they would all be in the same movie, I <laughs> would keel over immediately. I think it's the only movie I ever need to see again. I'm ready. Yep. Let's pitch that one. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we'll go to Hollywood. Um, I'm sorry, I need to add one more person to my dream cast. It's Tig Notaro. I think that Tig would be amazing. She's like a stand-up comedian and she has a really funny podcast. I think that, I can't remember what it's called. Um, I'm such a good podcast listener. <laughs> so I think that would be amazing. Okay, so that's all of like the questions I had for you guys. Um, yeah, that's the end of that. So thank you guys so much for being here. You've been listening to Film Club, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Nanaina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Community Foundation through the 2022 Healthy Communities Arts Culture Play Grant. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. 
If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like at me. Just go to patreon.com slash Alaska Teen Media. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who loves movies and is interested in being a part of our film club, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. Or you can email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alaska Teen Media. Follow us for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Madison Knudsen. Thanks for listening.